international order that we have worked for generations to build. Ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. The order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. And the last one, number 44 and the one before that, 43, Bush and Obama. Well, there are pictures of Bush with his arm around uh, eight-year-old Barack Obama because his stepdaddy, adopted daddy, Lolo Sotoro, had done a lifetime worth of business with the Bushes. Uh, wow. Uncle George Herbert Walker, after whom George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush one president, was named, founded Halliburton in 1946 in Oklahoma. And Lolo Sotoro had been international executive vice president for Standard Oil. There, there was talk of him being a CIA asset. Well, yeah, Indonesia. see, he ran mm -hmm. the death squads for the Indonesian army. On mm -hmm. his own call, anyone could be assassinated. So when George Herbert Walker Bush became head of the CIA under the Ford administration, he just got with his old buddy in the oil business, Lolo Sotoro, and pulled off the hits. See, uh... Barack's grandmother has been acknowledged as being the woman that operated the channels through which CIA money went to the Southwest Pacific. So she introduced her daughter, who had just had Barry, Barack, to Lolo Sotoro, and they got married, and Lolo Sotoro adopted Barack Obama. The name was changed to Barry Sotoro. Mm -hmm. Now, when he went to high school in Hawaii, I know about that high school. I almost sent my oldest son to it. I could afford it, but I didn't think he observed, deserved it. Twenty years ago, the tuition was $95,000 a year, not including room and board. When Obama went there, I've talked to two of his classmates. They independently state that the tuition, not including room and board, was 45000 now, Business Insider reports his income for 2017 at over $200 million net. That's after taxes, deductions, write-offs. Mm -hmm. For this last year, 2018, they reported it as $570-plus million. And that's after all deductions, tax right. Trump doesn't make that net. I mean, even some of the richest people in America don't make that. Why? Because when his stepdaddy died, he was one of the 10, 15 richest men on earth. And he left everything in a trust fund, operated out of Indonesia, oh. so the American government can't touch it. That makes Barack Obama one-third beneficiary for the assets of one of the 10, 15 richest men on earth. See, wow. so we got a game run on us. So... You know that little thing that Bush W. does when he gets with Michelle, they giggle and he gives a candy? The inside thing, is that supposed to be the same kind of candy he used to give to her husband when he was six, seven, eight years old? It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. 
when we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. And for the international order that we have worked for generations to build, ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. Donald Trump receiving a hero's welcome on Sunday here in New York at the Zionist Organization of America's annual gala event. Trump bestowed with the ZOA's highest honor, the Theodore Herzl Medallion. Trump spoke about some old grievances, some new challenges. He did mention once again that he's disappointed that American Jews at large do not support Israel as much as he does. We spoke with a former member of his administration on just that point. She said, you know what? He's right. President Trump is 100% correct. Were I a Jew, I would be a Zionist. And my father pointed out to me, I did not need to be a Jew to be a Zionist. For I am. Israel is essential to the security of Jews worldwide. I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class that have a full academic scholarship, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school, 165 credits, only 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. A few moments later. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76 in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. Like the pharaohs of ancient Egypt who built their empire with the help of a grand vizier, Queen Elizabeth II also has a grand vizier who serves as her most trusted advisor. His name is Lord Evelyn Rothschild, and he is the second wealthiest and most powerful person on earth. He is also Lord of the world's financial capital, the city-state of London. Lord Rothschild and his ring of power hide their identities behind 13 city council members who stand in as their representatives. On November 30th, 2000, Lord Rothschild, now in his 70s, got married in London to a wealthy Zionist businesswoman named Lynn Forrester. The couple then jetted to Washington and spent their wedding night in the White House. Just months before 9-1-1, they moved to New York and settled into their 18th floor luxury palace at River House, where two private terraces offered them front row seats for the scheduled 9-1-1 show. rich and powerful is Lord Evelyn Rothschild. Historically, the Rothschild family wealth was hidden in underground vaults. 
The Rothschild's secret financial records were never audited and never accounted for. Their family commissioned biographies give the illusion that their family fortune has dwindled, but researchers estimate their wealth at close to $500 trillion, more than half the wealth of the entire world. Besides their many castles, palace mansions, wineries, racehorses, and exotic resorts, the Rothschilds bought Reuters in the 1800s. The Rothschilds bought Reuters? Reuters then bought the Associated Press, which selects and delivers the same news stories to the entire world, day after day. They have controlling interest in three major television networks and easily avoid media attention since they own it. Until recently, they owned and operated England's Royal Mint and continue to be the gold agent for the Bank of England, which they also direct. They control the LBMA, London Bullion Market Association, where 30 to 42 million ounces of gold worth over $11 billion are traded daily. The Rothschilds earn millions weekly just on transaction fees alone. They also fix the world price of gold on a daily basis and profit from its ups and downs. Over the centuries, the Rothschilds have amassed trillions of dollars worth of gold bullion in their subterranean vaults and have cornered the world's gold supply. They own controlling interest in the world's largest oil company, Royal Dutch Shell. They operate phony charities and offshore banking services where the wealth of the black nobility and the Vatican is hidden in secret accounts at Rothschild Swiss banks, trusts and holding companies. Although Evelyn Rothschild looks like a harmless gray-haired old man, make no mistake about it, Rothschild and his ancestors have hand-picked presidents, crashed stock markets, bankrupted nations, orchestrated wars, and sponsored the mass murder and impoverishment of millions. And Baron James was head of the Paris branch and the youngest of the five sons of our Emperor Rothschild gave an astonishingly uninhibited description of the 19th century Rothschild policy of keeping it in the family. I'll quote to you from what he wrote and make you smile. In our family, we've always tried to keep love in the family. <laughs> in this sense, it was more or less understood since childhood that children would never think of marrying outside the family so that our fortune would never leave it. <laughs> you couldn't write that today. <laughs> Are you watching? Because something just sent shivers down the spines of Western leaders. With this one move, Putin could literally shift power overnight, and there are warning signs popping up all over that crap is about to hit the fan in a big way. Don't be distracted by Christmas. You need to be paying attention, because in fact, the World Economic Forum is now issuing a major warning for the United States. History is truly at the turning point. Yes, Klaus Schwab's WEF is warning the U.S. is in for a major recession. I've got a lot of important developments to get to and some stunning data to show you on this. Austrian economist Lawrence Leppard, all of the pieces are in place, he says. The system is so close to blowing a gasket. When it does, the global print-a-thon is going to change the world as we know it. You will either be in a position or you won't. Grab a chair before the music stops. Ouch. So as an example, it all started with a note from Credit Suisse contributor Zoltan Pozar. Now, Pozar, you'll recall, has been sounding the alarm about collapse of Western money structures that were put in place after World War II, better known as Bretton Woods. 
Now, he says the countries that have gold, oil, and other commodities will lead the world going forward. And we late this week issued a stunning alert about Putin. And his message has now gone viral. If Putin decides to flip the switch on the Western price cap on its oil by only accepting gold for oil, we would see the price of gold skyrocket to $3,600 an ounce. Basically saying, fine, hey, you want to put a price cap on our oil at $60? Fine. We just won't use dollars anymore. We will use gold. Now, Pulsar says this is not improbable at all. And then gold to double to $3,600 an ounce because of Putin's price move. Here's a Twitter take from David Brady that nails it. Gold to soar, crush Western banks when Putin unveils petro-gold. Russia's decision to link gold to oil could bring gold back as a settlement medium and increase its intrinsic value sharply. Banks active in the paper gold market would face a liquidity shortfall. Basically, if you don't have gold, you're screwed. In other words, financial Armageddon. Their only solution is to print money they don't have, and this would mean collapse. Or as Clem Chambers put it, an almighty crash. Watch. I mean, nothing's going right. Even Warren Buffett's losing money. I mean, Warren Buffett is losing money. I mean, come on. And I think what we're in now is potentially an oncoming storm. There will be an almighty crash. So in this scenario, Russia's President Vladimir Putin responds to the recently introduced $60 a barrel of oil price cap by asking for a gram of gold for two barrels of crude oil. He writes that Russia won't produce more oil, but would ensure that there is enough demand that production doesn't get shut down. It would also ensure that more oil goes to Europe than to the United States through India. And most importantly, gold going from $1,800 to close to $3,600 would increase the value of Russia's gold reserves and its gold output at home and in a range of countries in Africa, Pozar describes. So at current market prices, the cap of $60 per barrel for Russian oil equals the price of a gram of gold. Now, Pozar said what eventually happens here is the United States pegs Russian export at this price and Russia, in return, pegs it at a gram of gold. And this would come at a time when the United States is working to refill its strategic reserves with cheap petroleum. See, what's important here is that the Biden administration has drained the strategic oil reserves in the United States. And the only way to get it back is by purchasing cheap Russian oil. And then Putin says, sorry, we're only accepting gold now. Boom. Putin says, sure, you want a price cap at this price? We'll accept it if you pay for it in gold. Now, Biden has depleted the strategic petroleum reserves. We're now at a four-decade low of oil in those reserves. But the bigger problem for these banks is that if the world shifts towards gold-backed currencies, they are not prepared for it. The Western banks are living in a fantasy world right now of fake printed money as Russia, China, and India move towards a currency that is backed by gold. Are you watching? Tiffany and Larry Fink hold such power. Why is it that you have not heard of them more? There is power in anonymity. If BlackRock is barely featured in print publications and news channels, it is because they want it to be so. If they wanted, they could feature every day. BlackRock currently owns 18% of Fox, 16% of CBS, and 13% of Comcast, which in turn owns NBC, MSNBC, and Sky. If any of those companies wanted to make a decision, they would have to also consult with BlackRock before doing so. The same is true for Google, a tech giant currently worth 800 
$453 billion. Amazon, Facebook, and Twitter are also not exempt. And neither is Disney. Thanks to their incredibly diverse investment portfolio in media alone, BlackRock essentially owns 90% of the world's media. If you don't know about them, it's because they don't want you to. Why? Owning a portion of the world doesn't come without its share of scandal or conflict. In 2020, BlackRock became the first foreign company to be allowed into China's mutual fund industry, which means they can now invest and own parts of Chinese companies, including ones that are blacklisted by the United States. One of the first investments made by BlackRock was in Hikivision, a security and communications firm that essentially makes facial recognition software for use by the Chinese government. But this money isn't just BlackRock. BlackRock's or Larry Fink's. It comes from pension funds and bank accounts of ordinary civilians who have unknowingly given money to BlackRock in the past. If we take into account BlackRock's ownership over Western media, banks, e-commerce stores, social media, food and beverages, and many, many more industries, it becomes evident that the company has a wealth of data on us. They may do with it what they please. TikTok's data harvesting pales in comparison to what BlackRock is capable of given how they have everything from our bank account numbers to our personal tastes and preferences. As BlackRock's investment in China grows, so will China's influence on the world. And our personal data, which was hanging on a thread to begin with, will quickly end up in the wrong hands. With the trajectory BlackRock has been on, it seems their influence will only grow as they acquire more and more of the world to control. If such is the case, we are headed into a dystopian world where corporations have more power than governments. Inflation is the most destructive disease known to modern societies. There is nothing which will destroy a society so thoroughly and so fully as letting inflation run riot. Inflation doesn't arise because you've got uh, consumers who are spendthrift. They've always been spendthrift. It doesn't arise because you've got a uh, businessman who are greedy. They've always been greedy. Inflation arises because we as citizens have been asking you as politicians to perform an impossible task. We've been asking you to spend somebody else's money on us, but not to spend our money on anybody else. Everybody talks against inflation, but what he means is that he wants the prices of the things he sells to go up and the prices of the things he buys to go down. The real tax on the American people is not what you label taxes. It's total spending. If Congress spends $50 billion more than it takes in, if government spends $50 billion, who do you suppose pays that $50 of course, billion? Dollars? Of course. The Arab sheiks aren't paying it. Santa Claus isn't paying it. The tooth fairy isn't paying it. You and I, as taxpayers, are paying it indirectly through hidden taxation. Wow. BlackRock just came out and said that we need to get ready for a recession unlike any other. Stating the global economy has entered a period of elevated volatility and previous investing approaches won't work anymore. The strategist from BlackRock came out and said that buying the dip may no longer be an option. Said that a recession is imminent because central banks will not be able to come in and practically bail out these markets again. With interest rates on the rise and inflation trying to be battled against, there is no way they're going to come in and loosen their policies which is the exact opposite of every recession that we've been in. In 2008, we turned on the money printer. In the pandemic, we turned on the money printer. But now there's going to be no government bailout to save us. So the question that economists are all asking themselves, is this the end of globalization? This is the ultimate surveillance tool, isn't it? 
Absolutely, and anonymity isn't even the worst of our problems. The worst of our problems is the fact that it's going to be programmable. Because it is digital, it means the money can be programmed to be spent in any way in which um, the central bank or the government decides. So one of my particular concerns is the World Economic Forum because they're talking about implementing a carbon allowance. Now this means each individual um, will be given a certain amount of, um, whether it's credit or whatever it is, carbon that they are allowed to emit. And how do they implement that? Through a central bank digital currency. So if I buy too many plane tickets or if I buy too much meat because those things are all supposedly very bad for the environment, my money when I go to fill up my car could then be declined. So now they're literally controlling what we can and can't do with our money. It's also important to realize that the money can expire. So during times of um, economic uncertainty, central banks love to print um, lots and lots of money, which causes inflation. Um, but we could get to a point where they say, instead of printing money, you have to spend at least 10% of your savings in the next three months. If you don't spend that money in the next three months, then that money is going to expire. And if you can't save money, well, then you can't build long-lasting generational wealth. You're always going to be a slave to the system. And, you know, I don't think people really understand the severity of this. Money is literally the energy which fuels your life. If you don't have freedom of money, you don't have freedom of anything. Um, you know, Dan, I know you talk about um, the Second Amendment. You know, if they, if they don't need to necessarily get rid of the Second Amendment, but they can just say um, they can program your money so that you can't actually go and buy a gun. So, again, it really is the, uh, the most tyrannical form of um, surveillance we will ever see. When they control the money, they control the world. This is why I love your podcast. I, I honestly think you're one of the few people that gets the threat from these digital currencies. I only got about 30 seconds left, but just quickly, the Bank of England, despite being in a massive inflationary global crisis, has decided they're going to start printing more money through a quantitative easing program. This isn't going to stop this inflation crisis. The minute the politics heat up, they just start printing again. Absolutely. The more debt that we get into, the only way to get out of it is to continue um, printing money. They announced tax cuts. They announced that they're going to be deregulating the market, which caused the crash. Um, and as a result, because there's no more, um, they're not going to be collecting as much money because of the tax cuts, they're going to have to borrow more money, more debt. How do you solve that? Printing more money and inflation. It's just in Nigeria caps ATM cash withdrawals at $45 daily to push digital payments. They want to be able to surveil transactions and push the adoption of the eNaira CBDC, which means restricting cash. Lynn Alden goes on to explain that the problem, of course, with a fully digital and custodial payments world is that people lose all privacy and can have their funds frozen for any number of reasons. A cashless world enables greater levels of authoritarianism. Lynn Alden goes on to reference a Cointelegraph article that reports Iran may be using bank account freezes on women who don't wear a hijab. Iran's plan to freeze bank accounts reinforces the need for decentralized currencies to exist in tandem with cash and CBDC. Colgate family, the Birdseye family, the DuPont family, the Rockefeller family. These people handed over millions to the American financiers of Hitler so they could hire, train and supply a private army which would attempt to overthrow the democratically elected government of Franklin Delano Roosevelt and impose fascist dictatorship in America. Of course it's natural to wonder, considering they had such advantages, how on earth they failed to pull it off. The simple answer is that they chose the wrong man, because their choice to lead this Nazi insurrection was Major General Smedley Darlington Butler, the most decorated soldier of the period and in all of American history, perhaps the most unsung hero of all. Because Smedley Butler was the most genuine Democrat and lover of liberty the world has ever seen. I appeared before the Congressional Committee 
the highest representation of the American people under subpoena to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. The plan as outlined to me was to form an organization of veterans, to use as a bluff or as a club at least, to intimidate the government and break down our democratic institutions. The upshot of the whole thing was that I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men, which would be able to take over the functions of government. My main interest in all this is to preserve our democratic institutions. I want to retain the right to vote, the right to speak freely, and the right to write. If we maintain these basic principles, our democracy is safe. No dictatorship can exist with suffrage, freedom of speech, and press. Smedley Butler tricked the plotters into thinking he was interested for just long enough until he was sure who all the major players were and then he told the president. This put FDR in a quite impossible position. America at that time was just coming out of the Great Depression. The last thing he wanted was to cause another economic downturn and he feared that if he scooped up all the leading bankers and captains of industry in the United States and threw them all in jail, the country just might fall apart. So what could he do? To Smedley Butler's utter incredulity, he chose, in the end, to do nothing. In spite of the fact that these men had committed treason and should have been hanged, their power was such that they were not even charged, let alone tried, and so great was their influence, they were able to keep America out of the war until December the 7th, 1941. I just hold you in utter contempt. But the smile on my face, well, it makes me exempt. For I have the weapon of global TV, which gives us connection and invites empathy. You would really believe that we look out for you, while we bankers and brokers are only a few. But if you saw that, you'd take back the power. Hence, daily terrors to make you all cower. The panics, the crashes, the wars, and the illness that keep you from finding your spiritual home. We rig the game, and we buy out both sides, to keep you enslaved in your pitiful lives. So go out and work as your body clock fades. And when it's all over, a few years from the grave, you'll look back on all this, and just then you'll see that your life was nothing, mere fantasy. There are very few things that we don't now control. We have lawyers and police force, was always ago, doing our bidding while you march on the street. But they never realize that they're only just Have you heard of Project Artichoke? It was the original name for MKUltra trauma-based mind control. One of the guys put in charge of MKUltra was Gordon Wasson. He did such a good job, they gave him his own project called Subproject 58, promoting of psychedelic drugs to America's youth. Do you trust the CIA? Do you trust the government? Let's take a look at who Gordon Wasson was. He launched the psychedelic movement with the CIA. He helped discover them in Mexico by doing mushrooms with a shaman named Maria Sabina. He served as a chairman on the Foreign Relations Council. We can't trust those guys. He was a PR VP for JP Morgan, also known as a propaganda guy. At JP Morgan, he was account manager to the Pope and the Vatican. Also, he was one of six people associated with the assassination of JFK. And he was the head of Subproject 58, which helped bring psychedelics to America's youth. When we know that the psychedelic movement was brought in by the CIA and that psychedelics were used for mind control, and we don't really know what the spirit world is, how can we trust them? Now do you trust psychedelics? 1961. President John F. Kennedy speaks 
about weather control and satellite technology at the United Nations General Assembly. And as we extend the rule of law on Earth, so must we also extend it to man's new domain, outer space. To this end, we shall urge proposals extending the United Nations Charter to the limits of man's exploration in the universe, reserving outer space for peaceful use, prohibiting weapons of mass destruction. We shall propose further cooperative efforts between all the nations in weather prediction and eventually in weather control. We shall propose, finally, a global systems of communication satellite linking the whole world in telegraph and telephone and radio and television. The day need not be far away when such a system will televise the proceedings of this body to every corner of the world for the benefit of peace. Hi, my name is Rich Moore. I'm a scientist at NASA's Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia in the United States. What is your specific job here on this mission? So I'm an airborne atmospheric scientist and I'm interested in understanding how aerosols or particles that are emitted by jet engines in the atmosphere go on to um, evolve in the atmosphere. The people who sit here, the, the left seat is the mission director okay. and the right seat is the, his assistant. And what they're doing is they're monitoring the power that's drawn by all of the different racks. And so they have full control over all of the different experiments, which is really important for for a NASA flying laboratory. Yeah, we're, we're trying to keep this thing as, as full as possible. Yeah. And there's a lot of trade-offs. Uh, we want to minimize, I talked about the sticky gases. Um, we, we worry about particles being lost to the walls of the tube as well. We try to keep the tubing lengths as short as possible for the samples we're making. And so we have a number of different probes, each targeting a different size range. So some particle, some probes may target, say, one micron to uh, 50 microns, and other ones may target larger particles. So mic a micron is 10 to the negative 6. Uh, so we're talking about a thousand times bigger than those soot particles that I described. And so it's a big plane. Uh, we've got instruments mounted on the fuselage, and then we also have instruments mounted on the wingtips. Starting in 1993, it was called in vitro toxicity of aluminum nanoparticles in rat alveolar macrophages. That's a real fancy way of saying testing the effect of aluminum nanoparticles on the white blood cells in the little air sacs in your lung, the alveoli. And what they found in this eight-year study was that these particles, when you're exposed to them long enough, it suppresses the ability of your white blood cells to defend you from airborne infections coming into your lungs. So it suppresses your immune system. But they also found that these same particles, once they get into your system, they can actually go through the barrier in each one of the cells. They get inside the cells, and these particles can actually suppress the ability of mitochondria, which are in the cells that help to gobble up toxins and things that would be harmful to the nucleus in the, the reproduction process of the cells in your body. These processes are suppressed, and so essentially by breathing this material in, your immune system is dramatically suppressed. They say, we're going to control the weather by the year 2025. I asked them, what are they doing spraying this, these chemicals on the public? I said, there's violation of United States Code 50 U.S.C. 1520, which prohibits the American government from experimenting on the U.S. citizens with chemical agents. I said that law also requires the who's ever experimenting when the federal government does it, that they have to report to Congress within 30 days. They wrote back, they said they don't know what I'm talking about. I think we have enough evidence that there's a spraying going all, all over the place. Um, we were warned about the takeover of our freedoms by the military-industrial complex by both Eisenhower and Kennedy. They're gaining traction on us, folks. 
We're, we are in trouble more than just a spraying program. All I can say is it's about time we get up in arms about this because it is affecting our health. It's high time that we as citizens of this great country take action. The most amazing thing is that that cloud up there, which was generated by the engine, and in about an hour's time, someone in Mississippi is going to get wet washing. It will actually rain. 13,100 micrograms per liter of aluminum in the rain in 2015. Normally, it should be zero. want a living man to stand up and go out in the wilderness. Eric Weinstein told me that. They've actually codified it. Weinstein goes, because of World War II, we decided to never have living heroes. And I'm like, what do you mean? Lindenberg is like, yeah, World War II. I'm not into it. The financial system was like, we can never have that happen again. We have to control all the heroes. Take a guy like Weinstein. The reason he's an ultra scumbag is he actually studied this. And Robert Kennedy's the same way. Kennedy doesn't know shit about any of this stuff. There's an email that a friend of mine, young kid who was working Kennedy's organization said, Bobby's full of shit. And he sent him an email saying, oh, you're too radical. You want to be like the Black Panthers. I'm going to be like Martin Luther King. If you look at Martin Luther King or Gandhi, these heroes were created by the establishment. There was a true bottoms up civil rights movement in the United States. They yeah. concealed it first. Then they did a limited hangout of it. And then they said, shit, this is going to explode. So they find this bourgeois Southern Baptist preacher called Martin Luther King. They put him at the head of it. They knew they had a whole bunch of shit on him. The guy was banging anything he could get a hold of. It was a massive coke addict. Some circles say they struck a deal with him. Look, we're going to release all this shit out on you, or you're going to be the martyr, and you'll get to be the leader. And all the real bottoms-up heroes were diminished. Same thing occurred in India. Gandhi is a fucking pimp. Look at the history of the Indian movement. There was this bottoms-up movement coming up, and there were real heroes. The British and the Indian elite find this guy who was a racist scumbag in South Africa. He didn't really care about the blacks or the Hindus there. He was trying to help a bunch of rich Indian merchants get a better trading right, and he failed at it. They transport him in, puts on his guard, glasses, make him a guru, a Mahatma, and he gets to hijack the movement. So they create these heroes top down. I think they did it with Hitler. It was created because against the workers' movement that was going to come up, controlled by the industrialists in the United States. Everyone was predicting there would be a true labor movement in Germany. What Hitler actually did, he served the elites. And the brown shirts went in and they killed up Jews. It wasn't Jews they were killing. Some of the Jews were leaders of these labor movements. They were knocking off emerging leaders from these labor movements. So Hitler served the elites very well to suppress this emergent labor movement. That's fascinating. And Jews that own private banks. Yeah, well, the other thing we need to understand is there's a big difference between Zionism and Judaism. You don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. Zionist is actually racism in the service of imperialism. In Germany, there were these amazing Jewish leaders who were working class people, and that's who Hitler was going after. The Zionists actually worked with Hitler. In the Warsaw Ghetto, there's a major firefight. The Zionists actually disarmed the Jews fighting Nazis. This is a very, very clever word smithing that's been done but if you actually unravel the history you get to this very important thing that the zionists worked in collaboration with the nazis it's been well written about by many very deep scholars chomsky's even talked about this as long as you write it just in academic circles it's beautifully contained and you get to be an institute professor but if you start talking about it handing out a leaflet and taking action now you become a dangerous threat because now you're educating working people whether they're jews black white brown to unite against a common enemy and that action they do not want people to do Wow. Joseph Stalin. 
He was Illuminati. He was a member of the Grand Orient Lodge. Leon Trotsky, Grand Orient Lodge. Kissinger is a member committee of 300. J. Edgar Hoover, 33. Cecil John Rhodes, Alistair Crowley. Walt Disney was a 33-degree Freemason. Olive Palm, Al Gore, Tony Blair, Joseph Mengele. That's interesting. That's the mass murderer of the Nazis. He was Illuminati. Robert McNamara. You name it. They're all there. Billy Graham. Oops, sorry. Let's move on. Colonel John Glenn, Buzz Aldrin, everyone who's ever been up in space has to be a Freemason of the highest degrees. Edgar Mitchell, uh, all the way through, Francis Bacon, Lord David Owen, all the negotiators, Richard Halbrook. I'm just running through some of them. Alan Greensprang, Peter Wallenberger, Queen Elizabeth is the queen of the Bilderbergers. Prince Philip, Queen Beatrix, she's the Committee of 300. Prince Bernard of the Netherlands, Committee of 300. And so we go on and on and on and on. Ted Kennedy, Rockefeller, David Rockefeller, Teng Hui, Baron von Rothschild, Hillary Clinton is six grand dame. She's a very high Freemason. Albert Pike, of course, you know, Bertrand Russell, Otto von Habsburg, Weishaupt, all the way back. Here is Edgar Hoover, President Dwight D. Eisenhower. There honors him with the 33... Grand Cross at the special. Albert Pike is best known for his role as the Grand Commander of the Southern Jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, a position he held from 1859 until his death in 1891. Pike was a highly influential figure in the world of Freemasonry and is credited with writing the ritual text for the Scottish Rite's 29th to 32nd degrees. One of the most interesting aspects of Pike's life and work is his interest in hidden knowledge and the occult. Pike was deeply interested in various esoteric traditions, including Hermeticism, Alchemy, and Kabbalah, and believed that these traditions held the key to unlocking hidden knowledge and understanding the mysteries of the universe. Pike was also an advocate for the idea that true knowledge could only be gained through personal experience and direct, intuitive understanding, rather than through intellectual study alone. Pike's ideas on hidden knowledge and the occult have had a lasting influence on the world of Freemasonry and continue to be a source of fascination for many people today. He starts making sense. <laughs> At the inauguration of every American president, mm -hmm. as he is standing inside the U.S. Capitol Dome looking out at the mall at the largest obelisk of its kind in the world, across town, here's this number again, 13 blocks from the White House, on 16th Street, all of this is intentionally designed. Mm -hmm. Nita and I were there. We actually met privately with two of the 33rd degree Freemasons. And when I asked them if this was really happening, and the reaction that they gave is another program altogether, I, but I was not going to ask. She looked at me and she went, because this is a whole episode. Yeah, and that would be a whole episode. But the bottom line was, the viewers would love to hear the story, yeah, but I know yeah, we have another program. Yeah. But the bottom line was, I asked the question, is it true? Yes that at the inauguration of every American president, synonymously, at the same time you are over here, you modern Egyptian yeah. magicians, the 33rd degree Freemasons, wow. you are conducting the raising of Osiris ceremony. Mm -hmm. So that across town, the seat of Osiris comes up through the obelisk, emits into the belly as the U.S. president is standing right. there, and the new U.S. president becomes a divine representation. Even the term inauguration, comes from the old Roman terminology that had to do with the soothsayers mm -hmm. in Rome, the augurs, in augurate, who would confirm 
that Jupiter approves our daring undertaking, which is on the great seal. Even that term comes from that, but he becomes the incarnation. And by the way, while they're doing that raising of Osiris ceremony, they're standing in the temple room where Nita and I have been. Mm -hmm. There's an altar there, and <clears throat> on that altar, it's the Gita, the Hindu holy text, the Book of Mormon, the Bible, the yeah. King James Version. All of the other holy books of the world are bound on that table beneath a 666 skylight, a 666 stylized magic square. So you have going on in the house of the temple, the Herodom, the headquarters of Scottish Rite Freemasonry, 33rd degree, literally exactly the same thing that is going on where a Bible is bound in the obelisk and the, 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 the incarnation of the God horse. Now, they're doing all of this in anticipation of the day when the prophecy on the great seal is fulfilled, mm -hmm. and a sitting right. American president yeah. literally becomes the incarnation of the god Apollo Osiris. Mm -hmm. Right now, what differentiates the elite bloodline from everyone else? Long ago, in the ancient cultures to which they trace their heritage, the ancestors of today's hidden rulers pledged themselves and their future generations to the dark force that opposes humanity. Call it Satan, Archons, or whatever. And that energy still lives on through their descendants to this day. As one begins to study the lives of the elite, a common denominator is always their allegiance to Luciferian doctrine. It is the key tenet of the Illuminati. Of course, even the owl is a symbol of ancient mystery Babylon. Uh, the owl was worshipped uh, by the uh, ancient Egyptians and by the Babylonians. Uh, and it's interesting to me uh, that many of the members of the Bohemian Grove have in their homes, as I understand it, small figurines of owls. And I believe they actually worship those owls as a symbol of the deity, the great goddess uh, of Babylon. They believe themselves to be the sons and daughters of the fallen one, Lucifer. Here's the way they look at it. Here's their metaphor. Adam and Eve were held prisoner in the Garden of Eden by an unjust, cruel, and vindictive God. Lucifer, through his agent Satan, set man free from this garden by giving him the gift of intellect. Through the use of intellect, man will conquer the earth, will conquer nature, and will himself become God. It's taught in every Masonic temple in this land, every secret brotherhood, every secret society, every mystical temple, every occult organization teaches the Luciferian philosophy. Satanic serial killer David Berkowitz said, Satanists are not ignorant peasants or semi-literate natives. Rather, their ranks are filled with doctors, lawyers, businessmen, and basically highly responsible citizens. The elite are obsessed with the likes of Aleister Crowley and engage in the disgusting rituals he prescribed, which includes the consumption of bodily fluids and child sacrifice. Now, a lot of these uh, bloodlines are Satanists. In fact, the major ones are all Satanists. And by that I mean they are into human sacrifice, human blood drinking and all that, all this, all that other stuff, uh, sacrifice of children. And it's been going on way back. And people have no problem with the fact that it was going, oh yeah, those ancients used to do that, and the Aztecs and all that stuff. 
but they can't expand that perception of the possible that it's still going on. It is massively going on. The fact is it was openly going on then, then it became unacceptable to the population in general, and it's gone on uh, secretly ever since. These rituals are increasingly being done in public on a scale not seen since the days of Stonehenge. The opening of a tunnel in Switzerland was the scene of a bizarre ritualistic performance featuring none other than the satanic goat Baphomet. The horned god was the central figure of much of the occult performance, which also included severed heads, hanging bodies, and other strange imagery. This was a high society event, attended by European power brokers and political heavyweights, such as Angela Merkel, Francois Holland, then president of France, and Italian minister Matteo Renzi. Are connecting the dots that Jeffrey Epstein's temple looks exactly like a place called Hamam Yalbuga. Now we go to Hamam Yalbuga's Wikipedia page. It says Yalbuga is a Mamluk era public bath in Aleppo, Syria. It was built in 1491. So this is a place that offers massages. You can go to a sauna here. And uh, the connection that strikes out to me right away is massages is how Jeffrey Epstein groomed his young 14 to 16 year old victims. He had a private mansion over there in Palm Beach. And what he would do is he would pay recruiters to go out and find women and say, hey, there's this rich guy in Palm Beach. He'll give you $200 if you go in and give him a massage. Only catch is you gotta do it in your underwear. So this is how he'd invite girls into his mansion. They'd give him the massage. And of course, Epstein would offer more money for a little bit more than just a massage. And this is how he kind of figured out what he could get away with. Um, the guy is super into massages himself. It's just an interesting connection. All right, so we go on the Wikipedia page and we click Mamluk era. What is that? On its Wikipedia page, we see Mamluk is Arabic, meaning property. Um, it's an Arabic designation for slaves. <laughs> The term is most commonly used to refer to non-Muslim slave soldiers and Muslim rulers of slave origin. So what is Jeffrey Epstein guilty of? He's guilty of sex trafficking, basically slaves. And what is the architecture that he styles his temple off of? But Mamluk architecture, which is indicative to slave culture. Alright, so another interesting connection with the Hammam Yabuga is right here on the Wikipedia page. It says, it is located next to the entrance of the citadel of Aleppo on the banks of the Kiwak River. So what is the Citadel of Aleppo? So according to Wikipedia, the Citadel of Aleppo is considered to be one of the oldest and largest castles in the world. So then we scroll down to the history section of the Citadel of Aleppo, and it says the recently discovered temple of the ancient storm god Hadad dates use of the hill to the middle of the third millennium BC. So who is Hadad? Go to Hadad's Wikipedia page. <laughs> I kid you not, I can't make this up. Hadad is another name for Baal. It says, Hadad was also called Pidar, Repu, or Baal Siphon, or simply referred to as Baal. Um, I think it's worth noting that Baal is also used as the title for other gods as well, but still, the bull was the symbolic animal of Hadad, which also dates to, which also relates to Moloch. Furthermore, we are continuing our experimental work with hallucinogenic drugs, such as mescaline, cannabis, adrenochrome, etc. Adrenochrome, etc. Adrenochrome, etc. Not a conspiracy theory. 
But what's not a conspiracy theory is the UN building in Senegal looks like a hurricane. A video from their own website. I don't think they're being subtle about this. It seems kind of like that's what they're saying this is. Um, but why is the real question. Because, um, yeah, you guys see what I see, right? I'm, I'm not completely crazy, am I? Now, the location of this building is curious. Senegal, West Africa. Do you know where hurricanes come from? Yeah, right around Senegal, West Africa. Yeah, small storms spin off the coast of Africa, pick up steam when they go across the Atlantic, become bigger storms, some become tropical depressions, some become tropical storms, some become hurricanes, some become big hurricanes. In the 1970s, 50 countries actually signed on the treaty that they would not weaponize the weather. So if you can weaponize the weather, what does that mean exactly? You can make it wet, you can make it windy, now, could make it dry? Amazing thing is that that could you make a hurricane? Which was generated by the engine. It, it will actually rain. I told you. It's raining. <laughs> now, theoretically, if they can make a small storm, could they not send it off the coast of West Africa and it become a bigger storm? And if it became bigger, could it eventually become a hurricane? I don't know. What do you guys think? Across the millennium years is crunch time in this whole agenda, crunch time for the human race. This is the time when this network of interbreeding bloodlines wants to bring in its global fascist structure of a world government to which nation states would be administrative units, um, of a world central bank and a world currency, a, a currency that wouldn't be cash, it would be merely electronic, for which there are fundamental implications for human freedom. And also the World Army, which is designed to be NATO, um, expanding and expanding as it is now, of course, to become the fully-fledged World Army, World Police Force. And underpinning that little lot is designed to be a microchip population, in which we are microchipped with our financial details, our medical details, etc., etc. Um, and that would allow not only electronic tagging, people knowing where we are all the time, it would allow the external manipulation through this electronic means of our mental and emotional processes. This will happen unless the human race wakes up and wakes up fast. And to do that, we need to understand what's really going on. And to let people know that, we've got to stop beating about the bush, stop pulling punches, stop pussyfooting around, keeping information from people, oh my goodness, how will they react? And just say, this is going on, take it or leave it, make of it what you will. 2021, artificial intelligence is enabling individual education for all. Massive open online courses in combination with robotic tutors empower students to learn 10 times faster. Digital is changing how we work and what skills we need to educate. The future of work turns employees into collaborators. Measured with their emotional quotient. 2022, self-driving cars and fully autonomous vehicles are changing mobility. Cities are transforming into smart cities. Energy storage technology is experiencing several breakthrough inventions. Electric mobility will be the new mobility. 2023, virtual reality, augmented and mixed reality has become the new human-machine interface for private and business use. It has reached more than 1 billion active users. 2024, the first person lands on Mars. We are following the Mars mission via our media channels in real time. The 260 degrees VR live coverage feels like stepping on Mars yourself. 
emotional and historic moment for mankind. It's the start of the interplanetary internet. 2025 marks the market launch of smart drone cars. We're in the middle of a new mobility era. Hyperloop trains with speeds of more than 700 miles per hour are reality. Hypersonic jets enabling commercial flights from New York to London in under three hours. Average speed of transportation is accelerating. People are traveling more than ever. 2026. Personal robotics are not only used for personal services, humanoid robots become friends. The Internet of Everything is connecting 1 trillion sensors, enabling new business models for the sensor economy. 2027 is the climax of the health industry disruption. 3D printed organs will enter the mass market. Latest stem cell technologies will make cancer a thing of the past. Artificial intelligence in combination with smart fashion or bio implants for vital sign tracking will enable to rethink our healthcare system. We are using health sensors for our body area network and algorithms for our human operating system. 2028, manufacturing and construction is not only faster, it's also using new smart materials. From self-healing concrete to touch-enabled glass screens to nano-buildings with graphene, 2029 is the year of a global food revolution. The world has grown to 9 billion people and is now facing a massive food crisis. The production of artificial meat will increase. We will be used to eat burgers with meat that tastes like real but has been created in a lab. We will see drone usage in agriculture, vertical farming in skyscrapers and micro farming at home. 2030. For 1000 US dollars you will get a computer which is as smart as you. Artificial intelligence leads to super intelligence. We will extend our brains with intelligent nanocomputers. Uploading our brains in a computer will lead to immortality of our minds. In the year 2030, our world of digital has been defined by entrepreneurs whose companies have not been found yet. We have redefined the relationship of humanity and technology. Facts and common sense are in. Yes, there have been corrupt empires. Yes, they manipulate. Yes, there are secret societies. Yes, there have been oligarchies throughout history. And yes, today, in 2002, there is a tyrannical organization calling itself the New World Order, pushing for worldwide government, a cashless society, open borders, total and complete tyranny, where human beings are absolutely worthless. There's six and a quarter plus billion of us, and the globalists have said it many times. There's too many of us. We're causing a problem. Uh, we need to be culled at the tune of 80%. It's amazing to talk about that, but it's the globalists, the UN, their own public statements, and they've convinced a lot of liberals and elitist conservatives and others uh, that by going along with this, that we're intelligent members of society. It's the ultimate Malthus world view. It is... Uh, this radical, virulent form uh, of social Darwinism. It's the excuse of tyrants. And by creating open borders where there's no national sovereignty and only global bodies that control all the resources, by centralizing and socializing health care, the state becomes God, basically, when it comes to your health. And then by releasing diseases and viruses and plagues upon us, family. Teachers, favorite musicians, are not organic forces like you thought, but are a part of a complex AI consciousness.
A soulless being appears as full of life as anyone, but we are dealing not with a complete person as we think of on all levels. We're dealing with something that suggests a constructed reflex machine, which can mimic a true being. An organic portal can seem to have creative ideas, moments they hold dear to their heart, but at the end of the day, their function is to consent to and sustain the energy extraction matrix. Their AI software dictates that their life will be focused on material, monetary, personal, and fleshly interest. The 20th century Russian esoteric author Boris Maraviv wrote in his work Gnosis that there are two types of humans, Adamic man and pre-Adamic man. This is how he classified the organic portals, or soulless beings, and the living souls. Moraviv writes, The scriptures contain more than one reference to the coexistence of these two humanities, which are now alike in form, but unlike in essence. The anthropoid race are the descendants of pre-Adamic humanity. The principal difference between contemporary pre-Adamic man and Adamic man, a difference which is not perceived by the senses, is that the former does not possess the developed higher centers that exist in the latter, which, although they have been cut off from his waking consciousness since the fall, offer him a real possibility of esoteric evolution. When one is in the process of growing and strengthening the soul, the control system, the AI consciousness, will automatically insert more organic portals into the living soul's life. As such, their growth will be ridiculed, ignored, argued about, and oftentimes the living soul is left with a dilemma to follow their inner truth or to submit to the system. The targets of the energy extraction matrix are those with self-aware consciousness who find themselves caught in the muck of sentient programs. Boris Maraviv explains that organic portals, the descendants of pre-Adamic man, have a sort of automatic reaction to stifle the progress of living souls. Therefore, when a living soul aims to connect with the true essence of their being, organic portals, he writes, will automatically become instruments of the general law which makes sure that those who step out of line are brought back to the fold. This is how a man's foes shall be those of his own household. So some of you may be wondering, how do I know if I'm a living soul or an organic portal? But asking this means that you are a living soul. You're questioning reality at a level higher than an organic portal can truly do. If deep within you, there remains a flame, a flame burning for the truth, for wisdom, courage, resilience, for unity. This means you are indeed a living soul. The new world will be called the new world order. This new structuring will redistribute property from the have nations and will give it to the have not nations. The new world order will include changes in the family, the workplace, religion. The United States will play a major role in bringing it to the world. World wars have been fought to further its aims. Adolf Hitler, the Nazi socialists, supported the goal of the planners. The majority of the people will not readily accept the New World Order, but will be deceived into accepting it by two strategies. One, those in favor of the changes will have become seated in the very thrones of power, generally without the public realizing that fact, and this has already occurred. 
too, the old world order will be destroyed piece by piece by a series of planned nibbles at the established format. The Communist Party is actively supporting the changes to the new world order. The basic tenets of Christianity, which were the base for the old world order, will have to be eliminated. If the slower methodical techniques of change do not function, violence will be introduced and controlled by the planners, including possibly a World War III using atomic weapons. The people of the world will give up their freedom to the controllers because there will be a planned famine or some other serious occurrence such as a depression or war. The change to the new world order is coming shortly, folks, and it has already begun. Quote, we can no longer afford freedom, and so it must be replaced with control over man, his conduct, and his culture, unquote. Not long ago in the Los Angeles Times, there was an article called Ten Forecasts for the Coming Decade. One of these was chemical or electronic implants to control individual behavior on a 24-hour basis. Another student of these changes is Alvin Toffler, who wrote this in his book entitled The Third Wave. And you should read everything that he's written, by the way, because what he's writing is what is coming. Quote, a new civilization is emerging in our lives. This new civilization brings with it new family styles, changed ways of working, loving and living, a new economy, new political conflicts, and beyond all this, an altered consciousness as well. The dawn of this new civilization is the single most explosive fact of our lifetimes, unquote. I don't care how long he works, and I don't care what he does. There is no job worth $2 million a year. That's why they pay athletes these fantastic salaries. I was listening to the radio the other day. They just contracted to pay one, one player on one team $6 million a year. Can you believe this? And why is that? It's the Roman circus. What does the emperor do when the people become restive? And when the people are asking questions and when the people don't like the policies of the emperor? He sends them to the circus. He creates a circus. He builds a giant coliseum. And he begins to throw the Christians to the lions. And he has great chariot races and football games and basketball games, all to keep the idiots preoccupied with things that don't mean anything in the scheme of the entire world so that they don't have the time to learn what the truth is, so they don't ever get smart enough to learn how they're being manipulated. So they don't ever question the emperor. That's why they pay a player on a football team or a baseball team a million or two million or three million dollars a year. It is the Roman circus. Because you're operating from a place of ignorance. And until you change that, you're going to be bumbling around, bumping into each other, saying and doing the wrong things, not understanding the nature of your en enemy. And if you don't understand the nature of your enemy and the weapons they use, you cannot fight that enemy. You can't fight the battle. You shouldn't even be on the battlefield. That's why you're losing the war. Don't tell me you're not, because I'm in a place of great knowledge about who's winning and who's losing this war. And I can assure you, you're losing the war. Doesn't mean it can't be turned around. It'll never be turned around until you learn what you need to know. You don't even recognize half the weapons that they use against you.
when we were looking oh, for bombing? pressure cooker and two teenagers, you know, and then they took over the whole city and shut it down. And to me, that looked a whole lot like martial law. Yeah. Um, oh, God, I can't believe. See, this is why I didn't want to give this talk, because I knew that we have this conversation. And now it's on the record. All right. Let me take a step back. And No, no, you ha we have to deal with it. Let me take a step back and a deep breath, because this is a very painful thing to talk about. Um, so all over the world, we know, it's well established, uh, the State Department and intelligence agencies engage in theater, and it's what they do, it's spycraft, to create um, spectacles and events that people may not realize are spectacles and events, but that, well, like the, um, the overthrow of Mossadegh in the 50s in Iran. Uh, it, they, they'll funnel money to protesters, they'll, you know, fly people in to infiltrate protesters, they'll create fake newspapers, and so on. So we know that this happens in countries around the world. I believe that a law has been passed in the United States. I think it's part of the Defense Authorization Act. I need to confirm this. That, pardon me, now makes it legal to propagandize American citizens. Is that, do we know Smith about that? Smith Modernization yes. Act. And is it in the NDAA or is it in something else do we know? It's a separate bill. It's a separate bill. And it's been passed. It's now law? Do we know what the name, two years ago. Do we know what the name of it is? Smith Mo Modernization Act. Oh, thank you. Will you send me the link? Yeah. Thank you. So what this means is, and I, you know, as a journalist to say these words, just I can't tell you with what a heavy heart I say them, but we've entered an era in which it is not crazy to assess news events to see if they're real or not real. And in the United States as well as overseas. And in fact, it's kind of crazy not to. Now, you know, there's so much uh, hype about what I just said, and, and so I want to be very clear about it so it can't be taken out of context. <clears throat> you know, there's, <clears throat> pardon me, this kind of reflexive vilification of anyone speculating about that because they become a conspiracy theorist, right? Well, just bear with me. You know, I've often thought about this because our intelligence agencies, and for I respect spies. I mean, you know, who are doing, like before it got out of control, I believe we need intelligence. I believe we need intelligence agencies. I don't think there's anything dishonorable about being in the intelligence services if you obey the Constitution and the law. Um, but all over the world, our intelligence services are engaged in conspiring to create outcomes. That's their job. That's how they're successful. So <clears throat> now that it's illegal to propagandize in the United States, uh, it doesn't surprise me that there's more and more um, products coming up in popular culture, more and more events in the news stream that seem to be, to my eye, to be subsidized. Uh, let me give you some examples of that. I'm not talking about Boston right now. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. We also talked earlier about infiltrators, right, and how they provoke violence. This is well established. So if we know that infiltrators by the police, NYPD, they've been documented, or other police forces, dress up like people they're not and provoke violence, why is it unthinkable that there might be spectacles that might drive an outcome in the news stream? Let me give you 
a couple of quick examples. And all I'm saying is we unfortunately, and I have to say this to my fellow journalists, journalists as well, we've entered a time in which we need to be very skeptical about the news stream and look at it critically and ask for more verification and more inquiry. And that's just being good reporters. And it makes it like this, there's spectacle fed into the news media in China. There's spectacle fed into, like Chile. How did Pinochet, you know, engage in his coup? He created uh, photographs of a cache of weapons that the terrorists had, you know, hidden. Was it real? Was it not? Most historians think it wasn't. I mean, this is like not unusual, you know, in the process of creating a closed society. So if laws have made it legal to assassinate American citizens and legal to propagandize them, why should it be crazy or weird to think that that might be for a reason, right? All right. I saw the movie uh, Zero Dark Thirty, thank you very much, and I have worked on two presidential campaigns, so I recognize political talking points. And I wrote a piece saying, this reads like the Pentagon signed off on the script. Because there were like chunks of political talking points identifiable to anyone who's worked in Washington. Right? And you don't come up with those if you're a writer writing a screenplay. Um, and everyone was very upset. It was very controversial and scandalous. But in fact, belatedly, a news story came out saying that in fact the Pentagon had, I think, subsidized some of it, but had certainly consulted directly on the script. And I see more and more TV shows about the CIA and more and more TV shows about spies and gigantic blockbusters in which surveillance is normalized and gigantic blockbusters in which people are tortured to get them to talk in a way that might exonerate people who actually tortured people to get them to talk in Guantanamo. And there's all this money being pumped into these unaccountable, you know, terrorism-fighting things. And now there's no law preventing that money from going through front organizations right into popular culture. So that's of interest to me. And so another thing I want to say, and there's so many people waiting to ask a question, but I just need to say this, is I'm skeptical of certain news events that seem more theatrical than the norm. Or I want to ask questions about them. Because I was in CNN once recently, and they were reporting a story about a water skier who had been decapitated on a lake between Mexico and the United States, and it had something to do with ter you know, a terrorism threat, right? And I was like, decapitated water skier. Sometimes you hear these things and it's like so novelistic. You're like, real life doesn't work that way. Like these are so novelistic. Someone's coming up with it to make it stick in the popular imagination. Or it just makes you think, well, I'd like to document that. I'm a reporter, what's the source? And I. And it kept being just this one guy, Judge Arpajo in Texas. I may be mispronouncing his name. He's a very, cons Ar yes, Ar yeah. He was the source, he was the source, he was the source. And I have this wonderful Facebook community all over the world. And I went on Facebook and I'm like, Mexican Facebook community, is there any reporting about a beheaded water skier in this lake, in this place in Mexico? And they're like, no, there's, what are you talking about? And there's nothing like that. There's, doesn't exist. So I turned to the CNN producer and said, do you have a second source for this story? And it was all over the news, all over the news, all over the news. And they're like, uh, and they checked and it's like, nope, just this guy, judge, whatever. And I'm like, well, can you find a second source? And they were 
blushing and embarrassed, and they looked and they confessed that they didn't have a second source, which if you know what journalism is, you're supposed to doc, you know, confirm it with two sources. So ever since that experience with CNN is running with this, no one's verifying it. Journalists aren't in a position to follow up on anything anymore because budgets are slashed and there's no investigative reporting. Um, all this nonsense can enter the media stream for purposes that have to do with advancing agendas because no one's checking. That's all I want to say about that. Um, can I take more questions? I, so Boston, I, I guess my feeling about any of these things is let's investigate. We need to investigate. We need to ask better questions. We need to interview the doctors at the hospital. We need to interview the victims. We need to, you know, get all the footage ourselves. We need to train citizens to be journalists and to have websites. And I'm, I'm busy building one as a startup where citizen journalists can document events so that we're not leaving it to the gatekeepers. The United the United States government repealed the Smith-Munt Act, which forbid the government from using propaganda on their own citizens. They repealed it and began spreading government-made news to Americans. That's how we ended up in Iraq for 13 years. That's how people you probably served with are no longer here because they committed suicide. 22 soldiers per day since Iraq started have committed suicide. You don't hear about that from the actor known as Donald Trump, do you? But it still happened nonetheless. They repealed this law so the government can freely use propaganda on the American people. Why would they ever do that? And surely they've never done that, correct? Well, that's where you're wrong. Let me show you a news article that just ran on every single news outlet recently. This video, obtained by ABC News, appears to show the fury of the Turkish attack on the border town of Talabya. A border town bombarded by Turkey's military. This video right here appearing to show Turkey's military bombing Kurd civilians in a Syrian border town. The now, this came out in October of 2019. And as you can hear the people, all the World News Tonight, ABC News, etc., they're talking about our Turkey is bombing our ally Syria. Well, the problem with all that is this was a Kentucky gun show, as you'll hear. Kurds who fought alongside the U.S. against ISIS. Now, horrific reports of atrocities committed by Turkish-backed fighters on those very allies. Exactly. The mainstream news reported to absolutely everyone that Turkey was attacking our ally Syria, when in fact it was simply footage from a gun show in Kentucky, United States. And the thing about this is, even if it was just a small lie, they made it into a much larger lie by saying reports of atrocities were already coming in. Well, the thing is, is it's impossible for reports to atrocities to be coming in when this entire thing was complete and total utter bullshit, okay? So, that explains why they repealed the Smith-Munt Act. The government's been using propaganda against us and against everyone for a long, long time, all leading up to this point we find ourselves in right now. This is the beginning of a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world military. How about that? They're doing the same thing today with Osama bin Laden, and that's where I've been getting at. Can you believe what you have been seeing on CNN today, ladies and gentlemen? Can you believe it? <laughs> Supposedly, a CNN reporter 
found Osama bin Laden, took a television camera crew with him, went into Osama bin Laden's hideout, interviewed him and his top leadership, his top lieutenants and colonels and generals in their hideout. This is a CNN reporter with a camera crew. And he came out and told everybody, within three weeks, Osama bin Laden is going to attack the United States and Israel. Now, don't you think that's kind of strange, folks? You see, because the largest intelligence apparatus in the world, with the biggest budget in the history of the world, has been looking for Osama bin Laden for years and years and years, and can't find him. The FBI also, under the leadership of Louis Free, has been looking for Osama bin Laden for years and years and years and years and years and many years, and can't find him. Some doofus, jerk-off reporter with a camera crew waltzes right into his hideout and interviews him. And you know what his budget is? <laughs> Zip, zilch, nothing. Now, that tells us two things. Either everyone in the intelligence community and all of the intelligence agencies of the United States government are blithering idiots and incompetent fools, including the entire apparatus of the FBI and all of their personnel, or they're lying to us. They're not looking for him at all. And the second is the truth. You see, the CIA created Osama bin Laden. They recruited him. They trained him. They found his leadership. They brought them all together. They showed him them how to fight the Soviet Union in Afghanistan. And when that was over, they still continued to fund him and train him. And they're now using him to help bring about world government by making him the big boogeyman because they can't use Saddam Hussein anymore. Did you ever hear of Osama bin Laden? Before you heard of Saddam Hussein? When did you start hearing of Osama bin Laden? It was after Saddam Hussein and Iraq were supposedly neutralized in the Gulf War. Because they needed a new boogeyman. But they're not looking for Osama bin Laden because I'm telling you right now, if I were the head of the Central Intelligence Agency, within two weeks I would have him dead or in custody without fail. Without fail. If I had those assets and that money, he would be mine. I would own his terrorist ass within two weeks without fail. A reporter from CNN and his little camera crew got in to Osama bin Laden's secret hideout and conducted an interview. If you don't believe me, tune in to CNN. They're probably running it right now as I'm speaking. And if you believe it, you are one of the stupidest jerks that ever lived on the face of this earth. And whatever is going to happen that they're going to blame on Osama bin Laden, don't you even believe it. 
another social illusion, social engineering project to change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. Can you believe what they were saying for a while? That Timothy McVeigh, the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the Defense Intelligence Agency, could not find Osama bin Laden in their wildest dreams. But Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols could and recruit him to be their partner in blowing up the Alfred P. Muir Federal Building. Bullshit! How stupid can you be? These guys didn't have a nickel between them. Not a nickel between them. How dumb can you How stupid can you be? Put me in charge of the CIA. I guarantee you I will have him in custody in two weeks flat. Or dead. Take your pick. Take your pick. Give me that budget, those resources, those personnel. I guarantee you he will be mine in two weeks. And you know what? If I had a few loyal, good Americans who were willing to donate enough money, certainly not even a drop in the bucket compared to what they really have in these intelligence agencies to really go after him, I could still have him in two weeks. So why, why do all these fools believe this charade? That a CNN reporter and his little camera crew can do with all the money and all the assets and all the eavesdropping and all the intelligence and all the satellites and all the undercover operatives in the world can never do. It's because they're not trying. They don't want to. Osama bin Laden is their creation and he is serving them well. When in hell are all you people going to wake up? Are you kidding me? I mean, is this some kind of incredible joke that people are so stupid they'll fall for this? Do you know how much money the CIA and the National Security Agency and the FBI has at its disposal each year? Do you know how many agents they have that they can devote to this? Do you realize the technology that they have to be able to eavesdrop on every single conversation in the world, no matter how it's transmitted, and pinpoint the location of every one of those transmissions? And they can't find Osama bin Laden. But some CNN reporter, he just waltzes right on in there with his camera crew. Just like he knew where they were all the time. Bet you it was the CIA that sent him there. <laughs> I told him where he was. And, of course, they know where he is because they created him. They're the ones that are funding him and backing him and helping him to create their new utopian world. Hitler could not have ever come to power, absolute power in Germany, without the Reichstag fire. 
Hitler was a socialist. He understood social illusion. He understood social engineering. He knew how to get the support of the German people, and he did it by burning down the Reichstag. The Reichstag was, well, in our country, it would be the Capitol building that contains the Senate and the House of Representatives. So if somebody were to go and burn down the Capitol building today, they would use that as an excuse, as Hitler did, to round up all of the enemies of the New World Order, which would be me and most of you listening, and throw us into prison or execute us, declare martial law, and come to absolute and total power in this country. I wonder what Osama bin Laden's targets are supposed to be. And if they don't, you know, if this doesn't materialize in the next two or three weeks, it will eventually materialize because they haven't succeeded in getting the guns out of the hands of the American people, nor have they succeeded in taking our freedoms away. In fact, there's been a great awakening in this country and a, and a big backlash against these Marxist, communist, puke-faced, lying, subversive, Nazi, jackbooted, Gestapo thugs that is gaining momentum. And so I can tell you with a certainty, they must do something terrible in order to stop this backlash and regain the sympathy of the mass herds of sheeple out there. And I'm telling you, one of the things that will give us the moral high ground and, uh, and will begin civil war is the day that they begin declaring martial law across this country, taking guns out of the hands of the American people, and rounding up American patriots. The war will start on that day on that day. And there will be a war in this country, a civil war to restore, not a revolution, but a civil war to restore constitutional Republican government. Now, at the same time that that's going on, communist and Marxist underground forces will begin, or try to begin, a revolution in order to institute a Marxist, socialist, or communist government as a result of the Civil War. So we, patriots, will be fighting on two fronts. On two fronts. And you'd better understand which side you're going to be on. Restoration, revolution, or tyranny. I'll be fighting with the forces of restoration, and so should you better be. <laughs> and supposedly, we're not the only nation searching for Osama bin Laden. So the vast economic resources, the vast technological resources, the vast personnel resources, the vast networks and intricate web spun over all these years by the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA. Can't find Osama bin Laden, but CNN can? Bullshit. Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols could? Bullshit. So many people in this country have their heads so far up their ass, I doubt very seriously 
if they will manage to extricate it before they suffocate. What a shame. What a crying shame. How in the world could this country of all nations breed such a dumbed-down, unthinking, illiterate, uneducated, stupid, ignorant population? Anybody got a clue? We're going to open the phones. 520-333-4578 is the number. Be right back. Good evening. You're on the air. Yes, good evening, Bill. How are you this evening? Good. Uh, I had read uh, on the Internet today uh, a couple of things about Osama bin Laden, too, um, uh, with regards to the CNN reporter uh, getting into uh, his uh, ultra-secret lair, uh, whatever the hell it is, you know. And I couldn't help thinking the same thing. Must be on the moon, huh? Well, yeah, you know. Oh, well. How this reporter how, get there, you know? <laughs> it's amazing how you have all the American intelligence agencies, British intelligence agencies. Everybody's looking for this guy, and all of a sudden, you know, some clown comes in with a camera, and oh, now he's on TV. Oh, here he is. Let me tell you something. If he's an enemy of Israel and the Mossad can't find him, then this thing is the biggest joke that you ever heard of in your life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I was actually trying to explain to some friends this weekend, uh, you know, about how the, Osama bin Laden is just the next, I, I even said he was the next Saddam Hussein. Yeah, he's the next you know, boogeyman. Find some dark-skinned guy and everybody can go, ooh, we hate dark-skinned people, you know, and, and, and hide behind this guy. And uh, I actually think uh, if anything does happen, which is very unlikely, it will. And right there, my fellow Americans, I just wanted to jump in and let you know that that uh, Milton William Cooper radio show occurred on June 28th 2001 and this gentleman just said it's highly unlikely that something is going to happen but we all know now that he was sadly incorrect because just a couple months later on September 11th, 2001, we all know what happened. And out of that event came the TSA, the Patriot Act, the consolidation of our intelligence communities, the foundation being laid for the brave, new, Orwellian, surveillance, police state, totalitarian, dictatorship, commonly known as the New World Order. And just a couple more things I wanted to point out. Have you guys heard recently that turns out J.P. Morgan was funding some of the Jeffrey Epstein stuff? These bankers at the top of the elite financial controllers of the world people, right? And remember back there when uh, Bill Cooper was talking about the Reichstag fire? I've talked about that before. Sam Winchester's talked about that many times. And we had 
a feeble attempt at that Reichstag fire type of event that occurred at the Capitol, just like he prophesied. Happened on January 6th. And some of you idiots called it an insurrection because your TV screen and your mainstream media news networks told you that's what happened. And I'm here to tell you that nowhere near such a severe event occurred. And if you still don't believe that, I don't know if you are savable. I want to end this episode with a clip about the black, white, and gray nobility, I believe. I forget this guy's name, but Sam Tripoli and some other guy are talking to this dude. I've seen him all over TikTok. I got to find his name. But it's pretty interesting. Let's learn about the Jesuits and the Maxima family, the top of the elitist food chain. Allegedly. <laughs> Take a listen to this. Well, I'm from the Orsini family. Roth means red in German, and the Orsini means red, red bear, little red bears. That's what Orsini means. The grey pope is Pepe Orsini. He trumps the black, he trumps the white pope. The grey pope is gray even pope. higher than the black and the white pope. The Orsini is the, f the Maxima family. They are the maximum family. They are on top. And somehow they've trumped the Colonna and the Farnese, which I know, without any doubt, through all my studies, that they are the three most powerful Illuminati what, what about Rothschild and Rockefeller? Well, they are Orsini. They just changed their name. Rockefeller oh. were Rothschilds. Rothschilds were Orsini. Orsini were a family which have their blood lines in Babylon and Egypt. They tell you that. You read their biographies. They'll tell you that. We go back to Nimrod. They tell you that. The Rothschilds say that. We go back to Nimrod. How? Through the Orsinis. So Rockefeller, Rothschild, Orsini, and then you go back to the Persian and Egyptian dynasties. And what is the name of the top family? Orsini would be on top now because they're called the, the Maxima. The Maxima. Maxima. The Orsini. Then I would say under them would have to be the, Col the Collins, the Colonna, the Columbus families, or Enterprise. I, I think it's an Enterprise. I don't think they're even really families. They're just, it's, it's the funds. It's the Venetian funds that they created. It's where all the money power is. And then the Farnese. Some people say the Farnese are the most powerful um, that have researched because they actually created the Tuscan Empire. They cr created the 12 founding cities of the Etruscan Empire, which um, the Romans supposedly destroyed. But the theory is that they went down to Rome and created that as well. Now, why, why do... M There's a lot of people out there that think uh, the Jews own the media, the Jews run the world, look at everybody's last name, it's a Jewish last name. Is that just to uh, distract... Make uh, a the, boogeyman? Yeah. Is that what that is? Pretty much. Pretty much. Even though, though, the Jewish Sanhedrin is... Made, struck a deal with the Jesuits, I believe. So the Jesuits represent, they are the military arm of the Vatican, which is Catholic, and Catholic means universal, hence they're trying to claim that they are the universal 
Christian Christendom base. So the Judaic base, which is the other uh, monotheistic aberration, you know, monstrosity, they are the Jewish Sanhedrin. They are like the the cardinals of the Jews, and, and they are dark people. And I'm sure they're in cahoots with the Jesuits, who run everything. Top, 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 top are the Jesuits. Everybody else comes under their command. They are the military. I mean, wow, that is interesting. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember hearing about this guy, Pepe Orsini, alias Domenico Napoleon Orsini, the alleged most powerful man in the world, also known as the Grey Pope, chief of the Rock, uh, Rockefellers, chief of the Rothschilds, head of the Vatican, and chief of the complete black nobility. You will never see such faces in the press. Hmm. Find that to be quite interesting. And I got a few more pretty amazing clips for you guys. This is going to be a long one, but I assure you, this DMT psychedelic trip of an episode <laughs> is worth it. Take a listen to this. Tell me how long you've been looking into the Bilderbergs. Precisely since... Uh... 1975 because I would spent 20 happy years with the mainstream media I was asked what do you think about Bilderberg I said I never heard of them I was shocked and outraged that I could be in the news business all my life and not be aware of a group called Bilderberg but at that point made it my business to check those turkeys out quite thoroughly you off the property please Jim Jim has some questions for you I need you to move off the property Jim Tucker says there's a reason most people haven't heard of the Bilderbergs. The ones who control the mainstream media are part of the group, or answer to it. If 120 NFL football players, or if 120 film stars went behind locked and guarded doors for a three-day closed meeting, you'd bust your butts trying to find out what transpired. But now you have no curiosity. You don't dare. Your publisher will not let you have any curiosity. This embarrasses the hell out of them, and I enjoy it thoroughly. Jim Tucker has worked on his own, relying on old-fashioned reporting. He's dug up top-secret documents and other proof of Bilderberg activity. They do have cards outside, and nobody can get in. But normally I'm able to obtain some of their documents. That's what we do with Bilderberg, find out what transpires inside. For years, the sources of information would be the busboy, the waiter, low-level employees, and there would be my eyes and ears, don't throw papers in the trash, put them in your pocket, recognize these people, and eavesdrop and report. Since the invention of the internet, I've gotten higher-level sources. And you've tried to walk into these conferences before? Well, in recent years, they've greeted me by name, so I stopped growing beards and any other attempted disguises now because they got photographs of me and all of them so that the cops on duty know how to spot their favorite monster. While Alex hears Jim Tucker's war stories, Jun Sarpong is in London. She's meeting a man who was in the car with Jim Tucker during that Bilderberg chase. We're being followed. That's the car that's been on our ass. Jim Tucker enjoyed the action. Investigative journalist and author John Ronson did not. 
especially when he discovered his own government was powerless against the Bilderbergs. Were you away. I was ter- I was petrified. I was on the phone to the British Embassy and I said, I'm being chased by the Bilderberg group. And you know what they did on the other end of the phone at the British Embassy? They went, <gasps> and then I said, go on. And I said, I just heard you, I just heard a sharp intake of breath. And they said, well, you know, the Bilderberg group are much bigger than we are. We're just a little embassy. They said, have you got Bilderberg's permission to be in Portugal? They followed us from the hotel and just followed us everywhere all, all around. This was me and Jim Tucker. Jim was loving it. Uh, Jim was, was, was like in heaven. I remember going through a drain pipe in Canada one time, one of those great big drain pipes. Well, I worked out earlier with some collaborating gardeners to give me a yellow jumpsuit so I could go around with a rake and help keep the grounds clean and, and perhaps accidentally overhear what Bilderberg said to each other as they roam around. But they, they got me. They say we're not secret, we're private. International financiers, high officials, including heads of state in Europe, high officials of our State Department, Treasury Department, Defense Department, and the White House attend these meetings on the vow of secrecy, which is in violation of the Logan Act. Jim Tucker got himself another scoop when he realized that the U.S. officials who wheel and deal with the Bilderbergs violate federal law, the law that forbids unauthorized citizens from negotiating with foreign governments. The CIA could manipulate the news in the United States. The intelligence community wants to assassinate somebody. They want to run this illegal program here, there, or everywhere. I will tell you, Director Deutsch, as a former Los Angeles police narcotics detective, that the agency has dealt drugs throughout this country for a long time. So MKUltra is the name of a CIA mind control program, and it started in 1953. The CIA's techniques with MKUltra and all these mind control programs were just absolutely ruthless. So they're here talking about the use of psychoactive drugs like LSD, forcefully, forcefully giving these drugs, and um, techniques like hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and other forms of torture. Nazi scientists knew that there were certain things, chemicals, that they could put in food and water and medication to dumb down the brain, uh, damage the body, make the person weaker so that they could be more controllable. Things like fluoride, chlorine in the water, uh, mercury and, and aluminum in your food. All these things, when you ingest them, basically create heavy metal toxins in your body. And after a while, you become like a walking antenna. You become almost metallic. You pick up the ELF and microwave signals and scalar waves that are transmitted from satellites and cell phone towers, etc., so that you're constantly uh, available for programming 24-7. Every human, and this is a fact, every human first seven years is, uh, is download a hypnosis. The brain of a, a child under seven is in a lower vibrational frequency. When you put wires on a, a person's head, you read electroencephalograph, reading brain activity. A child below seven has a lower vibration than consciousness. It's called theta. Theta is imagination. Oh, that's how kids 
play a, a tea party with mud pies, but to them it's a real thing. A kid rides a broom, it's a horse. It's, that's theta, imagination. Theta is also hypnosis. And the idea is this, before you can become conscious, if you don't have any programs, what are you gonna be conscious of? So nature makes the first seven years, how, what kind of programs are required to live on this planet? I say, how do you get them? Theta is hypnosis. You just watch, you watch your parents, you watch your siblings and your community because you have to learn how many hundred thousand rules, think about it. Just to be a functional member of a family and a functional member of a community, there are rules. I teach an infant these rules. I say, oh, you don't have to. First seven years, they just they observe it and just download it. Look, this is not new. I mean, there's the famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And basically said, you come from a poor family and you could struggle your whole life and try to get rich, but you're not going to make it. And if you come from a rich family, you could be stupid your whole life and make it. Not because it was thinking, but it was unconscious behavior that was downloaded from rich families into kids, uh, which is unconscious. So they're, they're making the right moves unconsciously. Oh, the CIA is implanted in your state government? No. So they're violating their mission statement. Well, in Minnesota, only the governor and the chief of staff are aware of it. That there's an implanted CIA person in Minnesota government at a level to where he doesn't come and go with elections. It's a permanent position. Why? One month after I took office, I was requested to the basement of the Capitol where I was interrogated by 23 members of the Central Intelligence Agency and I was the governor. And I, they put me in a chair at the end and they were in a big half circle around me. And when I fought back to the questioning, it was all about how I got elected. He was right on. They wanted to know what I did. I don't know, maybe to stop it from ever happening again? Who knows? Throughout. This video is based on the work of Mark Passio from whatonearthishappening.com. Specifically, his recent video on de facto Satanism. Today's Hollywood pop culture machine will have you believe that Satanists wear robes and practice ritualistic blood sacrifices while worshiping Satan. And while there may be some truth to this, it is mostly propaganda meant to conceal the reality of what Satanism actually is. True Satanism is a mindset and the Satan that is worshiped is within each and every one of us. It is most commonly known as our ego. The self is the true God of Satanism. The term Satanism is used to deceive religious people, to appear harmless to non-religious people, and also because it stems from the Hebrew word Shatan, which means adversary. Satan is the force of involution that opposes true spiritual evolution. It is the ego within us. Left to our own devices, the ego will try and convince us to think only of ourselves, which is exactly what Satanism is. And so a de facto Satanist is a person who holds this mindset, but does not consider themselves to be a Satanist. Organized Satanism stands against this sort of enlightenment. They believe human psychology and the laws of nature should be kept occulted or hidden from the public and used to gain and retain power over the masses 
by keeping them ignorant as to how the mind and emotions work, while using this knowledge to manipulate the masses and ultimately enslave them. This is primarily done by cultivating the Satanist mindset among the masses, thereby turning the ignorant and unaware into a de facto Satanist. As we think, so we become. This mindset can be broken down into four main tenets of Satanism. The first and most important is selfishness, egotism, or what many know as narcissism. Self-preservation is the highest law. Live only for your own selfish desires and only care about you and yours. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, and if you must step on others to get what you want, then so be it. This is the basis of satanic thinking. The second tenet of the Satanist mindset is moral relativism. This is the belief that there is no objective difference between right behavior and wrong behavior. It is the belief that nobody is ever objectively right or wrong, and that it's up to each individual person to decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. The third tenet of Satanism is social Darwinism. This is the belief that it is natural and good for human society to be ruled by the most aggressive and dominant humans among us, and that it is by virtue of their genetics that these vicious humans deserve to be in positions of power and lead humanity as they so choose. The fourth tenet of Satanism is eugenics or dysgenics. This is the ideal conclusion of the Satanist mindset. Since man is God and he gets to decide what is right and what is wrong, and since the natural order is for the most dominant genetics to have power, then the elite class ruling over us has every right to decide who is allowed to live and procreate and who must die. This is how all of society is conditioned to think. And this is how the high-level Satanists are leading all of humanity into slavery. Most of humanity is operating under this de facto Satanic mindset, which is why it is called the great work to change it. The great work is the work of awakening the masses to the true nature of the ego mind, encouraging each and every individual to find the courage to face their own inner shadow and to practice natural law. Natural law is the respect of others. Put simply, it is love. If the majority of humanity is practicing love, then humanity will know freedom. But if the majority of humanity is practicing Satanism, then humanity will be enslaved. You can find much more of this information at whatonearthishappening.com. All right, people, I think I got to leave it there for the day. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the supercut today. Go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Buy a t-shirt, donate to the show. Read the show notes. Go check out my music on SoundCloud. Uh, thank you for subscribing. I love you guys very much. I'm going to leave you with an awesome... Uh, assumptive th uh, theatrical uh, clip from Mind Hacking Happiness on TikTok. I love this guy. Very good insights. I find his content to be very, very interesting. I love you guys. 
Hopefully today I explained a lot of it, the big picture to you. I hope you will take away a lot of knowledge and information and awareness from this Supercut show today. Reality, lies, damned lies, and statistics, part six. Meet the elite and their plan for the world. Thank you. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been a bonus episode of the Politics Punk Rock Podcast entitled Reality, Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics Part 6, Meet the Elite, and their plan for the world. We'll see you next time. Okay, so this video was taken down right as it was going viral, so we decided to do a couple of edits and repost it, because it is satire and just my crazy ramblings. But by the way, this morning's headlines include that Binance had $12 billion withdrawn from it in the last 60 days. Let's see if you can catch the edits. Hey, man, you've been keeping up with this whole FTX thing? I mean, that crypto exchange may have been engineered to intentionally fail from go. So you think there's more to this thing than they're telling us? Dude. FTX is the tip of the iceberg. Would you like to hear the entire plan on how to take over the entire financial system, including all of crypto, stealing billions from these lovely middle-class people, and bringing an end to freedom as we know it before the end of 2023? Wow, you think all that's possible for 2023? Not only is it possible, with the plan that I'm about to share, the global elite could literally have the people watching this video begging to have their freedoms ripped from them, which reveals the true artistry of this absolutely evil plan. Does this chair have a seatbelt? They threw it together last night. You want to hear it? Oh, definitely. How would you work it if you were them? Okay, so I'm looking at this from the perspective of the global elite who have a very particular problem to solve. All right, and what's the problem? So I own a bunch of central banks globally that are based on paper currency, which is about to fail. I mean, we've designed it to fail. We're printing it without limit at this point, so it will intentionally fail. Okay, and I need to transition everyone off of the paper currency to digital currency. And while doing so, I need to steal a bunch of money back from the middle class and then take control of the cryptocurrency, which right now is private and anonymous. So I can then introduce a new crypto, which is neither private nor anonymous, so that I can see every transaction that occurs, even between individual to individual. Okay, and this is, of course, why I have the power to shut down whoever I don't like and kill all the crime that I don't like and allow all the crime that I do like. Of course. But here's the catch. I have to do it with permission of the public that I am enslaving into this new system, which is the catch. So how do you get all that done? It's actually easier than you think. The hardest part is to get everyone to go willingly into the new system, but basically you create a crisis where they then plead for the new system to bring things back to normal. Like a financial emergency? No, I'm talking about a crisis of epic proportions that literally threatens the lives and well-being of billions of people. This isn't a 2008 housing crisis or even a 1929 stock market crash and a Great Depression that followed up. This is a complete meltdown of the entire global financial system where there is no going back, no recovery, no option to resist. Holy crap. Like This is a crisis that if you want food for your kids and medicine for your health problems, that's the level of crisis that we're talking about. And so this crisis has to be convincing. Like, you go to the grocery store and there is no food. Like, martial law is declared convincing. So how do you interrupt food and medicine? So to get this done, I start preparing 
by weakening the supply chain so that it won't take very much to legitimately send the whole thing into disarray, where people are legitimately not getting the food and medicine that they need. Wow. And so that creates a panic that drives us into a, we don't care what you do, just get us back to normal mindset. Holy shit. Now that first step starts with the collapse of the U.S. dollar, which I have catalyzed through overprinting it. There will be no going back to the dollar for anyone wanting to resist this change. So what saves us from collapsing into complete chaos globally and like losing governments? A digital cryptocurrency. Bitcoin? No, absolutely not. The legacy system has to be crushed. The existing cryptos are not completely under our control. They're partly anonymous and we can't freely manipulate them the way that we can with our paper currency in the central banking system. Wow. Okay. So with the paper money going away, we'll need to introduce a new crypto system that will introduce a replacement to the paper dollars that are now worthless. But cryptocurrencies already exist. Yes, and we've written eliminating the existing crypto into the plan. How? We do this in two ways, kind of as a one-two punch. First of all, we put the existing crypto market up and see that it's independent, that it's anonymous, and then we even invest billions of dollars into that system so that the big swings like this wind up being smaller swings like this. So this introduces everybody into the idea of crypto, but then we introduce some exchanges which are designed to fail because of fraud. Holy shit. So these big exchanges start failing one after the other after the other. Why? Because they're unregulated. Daddy government isn't backing them. So existing crypto is painted as dangerous. So you're saying that these exchanges have been engineered to fail from the beginning? With FTX, are we really supposed to believe that investors put billions of dollars into a company that was doing their accounting with QuickBooks? Wow. I mean, the Justice Department arrested this guy hours before he was supposed to give hours of testimony to Congress. Why would you do that if he's about to give up a ton of information that you can use to prosecute him? I mean, if I'm running the show, I want to protect him because I want as little information out in the public as possible regarding what's going on. I mean, I personally have no idea whether this thing is orchestrated or not, but it would be in my plan. Wow. So in my plan, after all these exchanges fail and billions are lost in these unregulated crypto scams, that's when I introduce a brand new cryptocurrency controlled by a brand new tech-driven central bank. Not the Fed? No, the Fed has to go away. The Fed is what caused the mismanagement of the paper money system, and Fed 2 under some tech companies then introduced to replace the Fed. So the Fed goes away, we close the one company, and we open the other company. We own them both. But the second one has oversight from the government. Same stuff, same story as the first one. Holy crap. So this Fed Part 2 runs the new crypto that is no longer anonymous, completely regulated, but will get us back to normal. And even before I push legislation that eventually makes the existing crypto system illegal, which I will undoubtedly do, as a coup de grace of the whole thing, I pull all of my billions of dollars out of the legacy crypto market, crushing that market, and move the cash as a first mover into the new crypto market, which everyone will get as a replacement for their dollars. Holy shit. So now, the paper dollars are gone because they're completely worthless. The new crypto is completely accepted by the public who now gets their food and medicine back. And every penny shipped from person to person is now tracked and taxable. Yep. So then, all I have to do is introduce the social scoring system to limit money, travel, and employment, and everyone is under control. Just like country name redacted. Is there any way that I could stop you? No, and that's the beautiful thing, because I already own the paper money that we're retiring. So I already own the governments, the military, the police that I'll use to hunt you down if you resist. Plus, what are you going to resist with? Are you going to go barter for gas at the gas station? Wow. So although you don't like it because you know what's going on, it is a workable system. And as the global elite, I win. You scare me, dude.
So are you going to tell me to sell my crypto? No, I'm not going to tell you to do anything. I am not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice, and you should do your own research on everything. Noted. But what I did, knowing that the dollar's been overprinted and the stock market's probably going to crash at some point, is that I sold all of my stocks near the top of the market, and I'm getting completely out of crypto before the crash that may be coming with the institutional panic. Holy shit. Because if you can beat them to the rug pull, then you don't get the rug pulled from under you. Right. And then you just hope to get enough altruistic people into your government to get out from under the thumb of the financial elite who are controlling this whole thing. Oh. My. God. Personally, I bought a cabin in the mountains, and I'm going to start growing my own food, and I already have the solar stuff to put on the roof. Yeah, because grocery store prices are going to go up regardless, right? To you guys, I say good luck. 2023 will be the year of the garden in my house.